pray with me? Heavenly Father, we take great joy in having this opportunity to worship you. But we pray, Father, that we might worship you with more than just our lips. Lord, may we worship you with lives that are a reflection of your glory, your power, your holiness. And with that prayer upon our hearts, we come before you and we ask expectantly that you would speak to us out of your word that has power to, to divide even the, the separation of, of our spirit from our soul. And as nothing is hidden from you, Lord, we pray that nothing that you desire of us, nothing that would be for our welfare, nothing that would be for our Christ-likeness would be hidden from us. And Father, as you speak to us clearly tonight, May you awaken a faithful and obedient heart that your will may be done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Reading from the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verses 9 and 10. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. Righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. I want you to take a journey with me this evening. It's early on a Sunday morning. You have joined together with the band of disciples who are following the man known as Jesus of Nazareth. You have spent the night in the home of Lazarus and his two sisters, Martha and Mary. It's at that time, that point uh, in the morning where you're just coming out of a deep sleep. You smell hot fig cakes and flatbread toasting on the earthen hearth in the courtyard where you and the other disciples have spent the night on your mats. The aroma begins to capture your senses. And you know immediately, yeah, Martha, 
She had to be up before everybody else. She's already got things started. You look around you and, and there are the familiar disciples laying on the ground around you. Uh, Peter's over here. James and John, you know, they're always together, even in sleep, and, and they're over here. Other disciples are scattered around. You, you try and focus through the, the still early morning darkness and, and locate Jesus, uh, but you're not surprised to find that he's already up and gone and is out alone to pray somewhere. Martha calls out, get up you lazy bones, breakfast is cooking. Those who are slow just don't get to eat and so you, you get up and you shake your cloak off and you roll up your bed mat and you walk over to the hearth and, and grab some warm fig cakes and, and place them on a bit of flatbread. Taken with a little warm goat's milk is just ah, delicious. Best thing in the morning. Pretty soon Jesus returns. You along with everybody else begin to, to pack a, a little bag for the day. And before you know it, you're, you're out in the roadway. You see, you're on your way to Jerusalem to celebrate the, the feast of the Passover. There in the roadway, you are joined with all of the other pilgrims who are on their way to the same destination. There are Jews from all over, Jews from Israel, Jews from, from Bethlehem, Jews from Caesarea, and from Egypt even, Africa. Greece, Rome, as far away as Spain. Languages, strange languages that you've never heard before. And everyone talking excitedly as they're walking together all on their way to Jerusalem. About a, a mile down the road, you come to a fork. One fork goes to the right. Down around the, the base of the Mount of, of Olives, south of the, of the mountain, and into the Kidron Valley where it winds up around that river and takes you on into the eastern gates of the city of Jerusalem. That's the easy route, that's the, the main route that, that everyone normally takes, but, but Jesus for some reason does something strange and he leads your little troops on the, the northern route that will take you up the, the steep and rugged uh, slopes of the, the eastern side of the Mount of Olives, up toward the city of Bethpage. Shortly you are up and, and near the summit of the city and, and uh, of the mountain and you're there by the city gate and Jesus uh, stops the troop and, and calls out two disciples and gives them a, a, a task to do for him. He motions to you, come 
and tells you to, to follow the disciples into the city and, and to help them out. Soon you find yourselves inside the city in the marketplace and, and there the, the disciples take you to a colt. Amazingly, it's right there where Jesus said it would be. The disciples begin to untie the colt and, and suddenly out of a doorway, the owner comes running and, 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 and demands, what do you think you're doing? One of the disciples replies simply, the Lord has need. Makes no sense to you, but it seems for some crazy reason to satisfy the owner. He says, well, why didn't you say so first? And off you go, colt in tow. Outside the city gate, you rejoin Jesus. James and John take their cloaks off, their traveling cloaks, and lay them across the back of the colt and make a, a rather rude and crude uh, saddle for Jesus. Jesus mounts the colt, nudges it forward, and you continue your ascent up to the summit of the Mount of Olives. There, from that vantage point, Jesus once again stops your little traveling group and looks over the scene. Before you and, and down to the right a little bit is the Garden of Gethsemane. Beyond that are the tombs of the kings of Israel, the Kidron Valley. Your eyes continue and, and there are the walls of the city of Jerusalem. The sun has now at this time just peaked up over the horizon. Those soft pink and purple hues of early morning sunlight reflecting off the white polished walls of the city of Jerusalem. As you look at those walls, you notice the eastern gate, the gate called Golden. And you remember the prophecy that someday the Lord's Messiah will come and will enter that gate to establish the Lord's kingdom on earth. Beyond the gate, you see the Temple Mount. Already this morning, the columns of smoke from the sacrifices of the pilgrims are rising into the air. Beyond those columns, you see the Holy of Holies. The golden dome ablaze with the rays of the sun as if it itself is aflame. As you're standing there, taking in the sight, suddenly, just behind you, you hear the deep, baritone voice of Lazarus. 
Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. Almost immediately, as if in reply, to the right, on beyond the other side of Jesus, you hear the sweet, soft soprano of Mary Magdalene. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Over to the left, you hear this old scratchy voice. Hosanna to the highest. Sure enough, it's Bartimaeus. And you really don't mind that he's totally off key. Pretty soon, someone else takes up the chorus. Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Hosanna on the highest. Another voice joins. Over here, another voice. Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Peter, always impetuous, always spur of the moment, runs over to a palm tree and begins to pluck palms, branches from the tree, runs back to Jesus and begins to scatter them on the ground. The chorus repeats again, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Pretty soon you find yourself without even thinking, joining in in the song. Hosanna! Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna on the highest! And you realize that, that you really don't even know where it's coming from. It's almost as if it's not coming from your own lips, but it's coming from a fire deep within your heart. Jesus nudges the colt forward, and as he does so, you, you glance at him and, and you notice that there's a bit of sadness on his face. And looking closer, you watch as a tear runs down his cheek. But he continues on. People are beginning to run from every area of the mount as you descend down that steep pathway. And the chorus continues, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! Other people are beginning to grab palm branches and they're waving them now just as if they were victory banners. Hosanna! Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna on highest! And continue, people continue to come. 
and the and the, the choir the song begins to crescendo and grow louder and louder and suddenly before you even think about it you find yourself removing your traveling cloak and you lay it down on the pathway in front of the colt and as Jesus comes he looks at you approvingly and he begins to to, to, to take the colt across your cloak and others follow your lead Hosanna Hosanna to the son of David blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord others continue to come and as you get deeper and deeper into the valley the song continues to rise Hosanna Hosanna to the son of David blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and the others come and pretty soon the you hear the chorus begin to echo from the mountain to the walls of Jerusalem and back and it continues to grow Hosanna to the son of David blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord Hosanna on highest and pretty soon it is so great that it is almost you would swear it is almost as if the very rocks it is almost as if the very mountain it is almost as if the walls of Jerusalem itself have joined you in the chorus and they are crying out and you continue on and that little parade that great parade moves through the Golden Gate and up to the Temple Mount. But you stay there at the gate and listen as those last echoes reverberate across that great valley. Hosanna. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I wish I had truly been there. What a joy it would have been to add my voice to the praises of Jesus Christ. But you know what? As great as that event was, the Bible tells us that that was just the choir rehearsal. It was only one event that was in preparation for the event. It was the rehearsal. There is a time when we will hear the concert of the ages. Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. Each one had a harp. And they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and your blood purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. 
Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne, and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And as if that weren't enough, then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. That is what the triumphal entry was all about. God was just getting his people ready for the real thing. That's the choir I want to join. Imagine standing there in heaven and singing the praises of Jesus Christ next to Abraham, Adam, Eve too, Moses, David, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Paul, Timothy, John Wesley, D.L. Moody, Sister Teresa. A thousand angels. And we're told even the cattle on a thousand hills, the fish in the sea, and we're all singing the same song, and we're all in key. That'll be the first time in my entire life. <laughs> There's only one problem. You see, that's not an open choir. That choir will be by invitation only. It is open only to, the, to those, God tells us, who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. But not only washed in the blood of the Lamb, but who have been faithful to that blood to the very end. There will be some who will not be included in that choir. There will be some who in eternity will have lost their song. There will be some in eternity who will have lost the voice of praise. You, think I, you see, I think that's why on that day, looking over Jerusalem, on what could have been a great and glorious day for him, Jesus wept. He knew what was coming, but I don't think he was weeping for himself. 
he was weeping because he knew that there were those there singing his praises that day who in a very short time would have lost the invitation, would have sacrificed their song. I think there were two groups of people that day for whom Jesus was weeping. The first ones were those who had lost their song because of trials that they were facing in life. Life was not very easy for people then, particularly for Jews. They were under Roman persecution. And under that persecution, they were experiencing very painful lives. Lots of persecution, lots of pain, trials, tribulations. And when they sang, it wasn't really a song just of praise to Jesus Christ. It was really a song of, of, of petition. Lord, we will praise you if you will just take the pain away from our lives. Deliver us from our difficulties. You see, the problem was that the pain had robbed their hearts of their vision of the Prince of Peace. We're told that when Jesus wept, he wept because he said, if they had only known from where peace comes. And in their songs, in their words, in their praises, there was no peace because there was no vision of the Prince of Peace. All they could see was their pain. The second group, I believe, for whom Jesus wept were those who were singing more for their blessings than out of their peace. You see, these were people who had known Jesus for some time. Just prior to this event, Jesus Christ had brought Lazarus back to life from the dead. And everyone was talking about it. And here was Jesus, and they were expecting a Messiah. They were expecting someone to come and, and to be their king and to be their deliverer. And so they were thinking, ah, yes, here he comes. He is now going to set up his kingdom. And while you're at it, how about those 12 thrones? You think maybe there's room for me? You see, the problem was... <laughs> Their eyes were more on the blessings that they wanted to have than they were on the blesser. And it was more about what I can get out of it than it was about the one who was the greatest blessing of my life. One group praying, Lord, deliver us from our difficulties. Jesus said, if you only knew, peace comes, not from a painless life, but when I can give you victory amidst the pain.
to the other. They cried out, Lord, just give us. And Jesus was weeping, saying, I am the greatest gift. Two groups. Voices silent now for all eternity. They lost their invitation. They sacrificed it for other things. There is the hope of that great eternal choir. That day that we can look forward to when Jesus Christ will come and we will get, be gathered around the throne and sing praises to the Lamb of Life. But it's only for those who receive the invitation and hold fast unto it until the end of time. There may be some here tonight for whom Jesus weeps. Your heart, your life has been filled with so much pain, so much sorrow, so much difficulty that somehow all of that has just clouded your vision of the Prince of Peace. And you just can't seem to find your way out of it. You've lost your song. There may be some here tonight for whom life has been relatively good. As a matter of fact, it's been so blessed that there really isn't a sense that you need a Prince of Peace. You've lost that passion. You've lost that hunger. Other things have become a priority in your life. You have a song. You're just singing the wrong tune. And Jesus weeps and cries out, if they had only known that which leads to peace. And he extends an invitation. <laughs> There's time. Will you come? The song can be renewed. I'd love to hear your voice. Will you come? We're going to sing a chorus. It's in your hymn book. As we sing, 
if you have the sense that Jesus is weeping over you, you've lost the song amidst the pain of your life. You're singing the wrong tune. Your eyes have become focused on something other than Jesus Christ. Will you hear his invitation? Will you take his hand? Will you join the chorus tonight? 279 in the hymnal. 